0: Hey folks, this is Philip with the Everyday Fighter Podcast, where we share stories and insights from everyday fighters just like you. Today we're going to be talking with Blaze Pearson. Um, He is a father and a martial arts instructor. Uh, Really had a great conversation with him. Um, A couple things that really stood out. One was that um, him telling stories about how he and his brother first started getting into martial arts um, as as children and um, not being able to afford actual lessons. They got into books and did their best to start learning through books, uh, but also getting into later in life where he and his family were struck with a tragedy and how that has shaped the way he now approaches life um, and uh, martial arts with his family. So, really fascinating and informative conversation with Blaze. But before we get into that interview, I wanted to get into our episode spotlight. Now, as a reminder, our spotlights are just little snippets that we wanted to share uh, about organizations that I think could use a little bit more Um, exposure. I think they do great work and something that I think uh, would be useful for them just for you to know about them. These folks have no idea who I am, anything about this podcast. It's just uh, something that uh, I want to share with you. And today, I wanted to talk to you about Heroes of the Second World War. Now, this is an organization that was started at the time by a a high school student. Name is uh, Rishi Rishi Sharma. And uh, He started learning about World War II and the sacrifices that our um, men and women in the military at the time had uh, endured and what it meant for our country. He was so inspired by them and their story that he made it his mission to go out and not only speak to the people still surviving, Um, veterans from World War II, but also to record those interviews and make them available to the public for free. Uh, Just an amazing story, not only of Rishi, but also all the collective stories from these uh, amazing folks. There are over 600 World War II veterans that die every single day, and he's on a mission to capture their stories before we're not able to get the benefits of them anymore. So that is the Heroes of the Second World War. You can find out more about Rishi and his mission and get access to those interviews by going to heroesofthesecondworldwar.org. So that is our spotlight. And with that, let's jump into our interview with Blaze Pearson.
1: I've grown up here in Georgia and North Georgia, right around Atlanta, kind of grew up in the, in the, uh, the burbs of Atlanta and gone around from, um, Marietta, which is, is sort of well known. Um, lived out there most of my adult life, had some kids needed bigger house than, uh, needed a bigger house for a little money, moved out here to Hiram.
0: Okay. Nice, man. Nice. So, um, Growing up, did you, um, was that where you were introduced to, to martial arts or, I mean, was it other sports you did or what was, uh, how was that? Yeah, I uh,
1: I was kind of a late bloomer, but around 10 or 11, I started playing baseball and I played baseball and I did football all the way through, through high school. thought I was going to go play in college and then I blew my knee out
0: and
1: mm. realized you were supposed to have good grades to go to college for football. <laughs>
0: The, and uh, oh, is, was that really part of it? <laughs> right,
1: I, I had no clue until I turned eighteen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I played you know a lot of sports in and out through that. I played basketball every day for most of my life. As soon as I could walk, I was I was trying to throw a basketball at a goal. But I didn't like to get yelled at to do it. I was willing to get yelled at for baseball and football, but I wasn't. Uh, I didn't need anybody to yell at me to play basketball. I could just go in the driveway or to the park or.
0: Were you talking about like uh, coaching,
1: right? Okay. Right. I didn't I didn't, I didn't. I didn't want it, you know, because it was fun the way it was.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And I played so much, I felt like I learned, but it really taught me a lot about my body. Mm. So it really helped me uh, in sports that I did, uh, any sport that I did. But really, as far as martial arts is concerned, my dad is a martial artist, and my mom dabbled in it a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just really into fighting when i was younger i have an older brother and we were really into fighting and really into the uh, like martial arts movies of the 80s that was that's all it was i mean when i would go play with my friends we played ninja and you know we were either van dam or uh, chuck norris or something like that running through the woods killing bad ninjas we were the good ninjas killing the bad ninjas
0: Michael little and
1: yeah <laughs> yeah we the ninja all day long <laughs> loved it <laughs> even now i just love it for different reason mm-hmm. but uh I would say, you know, really the introduction to really wanting to go further with martial arts was the UFC. Mm. Um, my brother called me up one night and said, dude, there's this thing on TV. It's just like blood sport. <laughs> there's no rules. They're locked in a cage. Um, and these guys are just going at it. It's only, you know, been watching it for a few minutes. And this, this skinny guy ha- has, has beat two people. I was like, wow, crazy. And I was only 13. This is what? 93. Yeah. And, um, he was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to pop in a VHS tape. Um, we're going to, so, so you need to see this. And so watch that, watch that with my brother and, honestly you know a lot of people say well i watched that and it really turned me on to brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. well to me i thought well that sucks <laughs> who wants to do that i want to <laughs> you know, i want to throw <laughs> yeah i want to punch people and do a bunch of kicks and stuff like that but that really got me interested but we were broke so mm. the only places near us to do any martial arts were you know strip mall dojos and even back then i remember they were like 75 dollars a month and it was like you know a hundred dollars to get the gi and it just wasn't going to happen for me you know i was i was able to do football and and baseball back then because I, we would do fundraisers it was like 30 dollars, and then you just sold stuff to, mm. to pay the difference but as far as i knew that that wasn't going to happen at the dojo so i did a few free weeks um at places and then really just started working with my brother i mean that's that him and i really just we got really interested we started buying books we you know i still have them today that you know very rudimentary but important information that i grabbed from these books like the judo textbook we had books on brazilian jiu-jitsu, japanese jiu-jitsu. we had this one book that was really interesting to me or back then that i can't find and i wish i could and I probably would laugh at it now, but I loved it at the point at that time. It was it was something the medical implications of karate blows.
0: Hmm. I, I could use it, that. <laughs> I could absolutely was, use that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it was like one of these things and it would like demonstrate like the technique. It had like these really poorly drawn pictures. But it would say, you know, like the least amount of damage, the minimum hmm. and the maximum. Hmm. So the one thing I remember that I've taken my whole entire life, there was like this chop to the upper lip, right, right here. Mm -hmm. And it was like minimum. If you do this technique, right, you're going to bust their lip and you're going to knock their teeth out. Maximum. You could kill them because you could knock so many teeth into their windpipe that they die. (laughs) (laughs) I was like 15. I thought I was an assassin. I was like, dude, anybody like, if anybody messes with me from the side, like they're beside me, I'm gonna chop them so hard. <laughs> so lip.
0: They have no idea what I'm capable of. <laughs>
1: it's like, dude, you want these? You want these chops? <laughs> that's right. That's really, I mean, it's funny even though I was, it's funny to think back and think, well, I was, you know, I wasn't a kid. I, I mean, I was, but I wasn't a child, I should say.
0: Hmm.
1: But I really, I thought like, this is awesome. I'm gonna karate chop somebody to death if they break into my house. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a different kind of empowerment, right? It's like it's it's it is it's it's like you've got that secret you've got like something that other people don't know and but the thing is it's not even a, just a secret that's just innocuous right it, it it's 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 if my secret could affect the course of your life <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. exactly I didn't think about it in those terms but I do now yeah 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 <laughs> it was totally like that it was just you know in my mind it was something different but it gave me some some source of confidence mm, mm. You know, i grew up kind of hard i was always fighting but um really you know when you think when when you're young and even now uh talk to people and like oh if somebody pulls a gun on me i'm gonna do this or they pull a knife on me i'm gonna do that i really felt at that point like, oh if somebody pulls a knife on me or a gun i'm gonna chop them in the all pit. i
0: gotta do is this
1: that's all i gotta do i do it hard and i land it clean they're dead yeah, this is better than a gun it never runs out of bullets. Bo- <laughs> that's right
0: it's, it's always loaded man
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, around that time, around 15, I really wanted to do jujitsu, but there was nowhere to do it. Right. Mm. Um, I didn't know of anywhere. And back then there was no internet, mm. at least not accessible to me. And so I would look in the phone book and I never found anything mm. by this point, jujitsu had gotten really interesting to me because there'd been a couple of years of UFCs. So Royce Gracie had dominated what four at this point, mm. And four, you know, that it got a little iffy. I think it was four when he had some trouble. But um, just seeing him mow through these people, it was like this is there's something to this because you know he's beaten Ken Shamrock and and Pat Smith and these legit guys who are who would destroy most everybody else. Yes. Um, so I remember I used to get black belt magazines, and there would be ads for UFC in there, and there was one. It was the Ultimate Fighting Alliance. And you could spend forty bucks. <clears throat> it was part of the UFC at the time. It wasn't the Zufa era or anything like that. This was pre that. That was what SEG or SCG yeah, first
0: incarnation. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, but the thing with this Ultimate Fighting Alliance is forty dollars a year. You send your money, then they would update you on different disciplines mm-hmm. where there was to train near you. It was like this. It was like the slew of information that you can get for free now with Google. But mm-hmm. back then, it seemed. Like, oh wow, this is amazing. So I I got 40 bucks and I put it in an envelope, I sent it off, and then like every month they would send me some pamphlet that was basically useless. All it really told me was, okay, there's nothing near you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, well, let me it was, just
0: remind you of what you're lacking right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank
1: you for your forty dollars. Here's absolutely nothing. Yeah. But but when I got into high school, it was like, well, there's wrestling. Mm. So you know, I, I started wrestling in high school and that was as close as I could get. The funny thing is, is I'd done so much makeshift basement jujitsu with my brother mm-hmm. that I was comfortable off my back. He was older than me. He's bigger than me. And in jujitsu, that wasn't a problem. And then you get into wrestling and say, like, Oh, what, what you pinned me? Yeah. yeah. That? What does that mean? Oh, I can't be down here. <laughs> yeah. So That took a little while to get over, but I did freestyle and I did collegiate uh, uh, and for a few years and. And it was after high school that I got my first taste of legitimate uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu instruction. But I've been doing jiu-jitsu since that time. I graduated in 98. I would say it was probably the end of 98, beginning of 99, where I got my first legitimate taste of what jiu-jitsu was all about. Mm-hmm. And That really helped me understand that my little uh, karate blows weren't going to go as planned.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely a, a different environment. Yeah, not not as sterile,
1: <laughs> right? Right, and when somebody's fighting back, or when somebody's doing something different.
0: Yeah. Well, you you grew up in that though, right? I mean, like you said, your your uh, your parents uh, were martial artists uh, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Were, did they ever, um, and was there a particular style that they they uh, studied, or it was an Okinawan style?
1: Okay. Um, and I I couldn't tell you uh, who. Uh, my mom did it briefly. My dad, my dad studied all the way up. It's a black belt, but I couldn't tell you who it was. He had, by the time I was born, he had, he had already moved on basically. Okay. Okay. He kept the skills, but he, he, he put himself through college doing sword demonstrations and, and breaking bricks and boards and stuff like that. Okay, but he had hurt himself, I think enough, by the time I was born, I was the last child I was on out there that uh-huh.
0: he, he, he had just moved on. So, okay. So you didn't have, it wasn't anything that they were practicing, um, you know, very seriously by the time that you, you were, uh, you were born. Okay. Okay. Right. I wasn't
1: going to the, to the dojo with them. Gotcha. I wasn't going to the gym like my, like I do with my kids when we train gotcha. at the same school.
0: So, but, uh, was it, uh, did they ever kind of try to push you in, in that direction or was just, that was just because of the money situation, they just didn't do it. Yeah, it was,
1: I think it was one of those things that, that my parents would have loved for me to be able to do, hmm. but, uh it just it just wasn't there, you know. I actually lived with my mom, you uh, know. I didn't live with my dad, but I saw him often. He was, you know, he was very involved, but um, I didn't live with him. He had he had more money than than we had, mm. I should say. But to him, I, th- I think he was pretty much just like you find you. You do whatever you need to do, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I ever even expressed to him that I wanted to do it. I know after I took like a month long class at a middle school when I was in elementary school and I was kicking at him while he was doing the dishes one day because I knew he, you know, I'm like, come on, Dad. I know a few things. Let's fight. Yeah. Let's fight, you know. I can take you because I did a month of karate. Yeah, yeah. And I remember this transformed my entire life, and I'm still afraid of my dad, even though he's way smaller than I am at this point and walks with a cane. But he he's washing his dish. He never looked up. I'm kicking at him. And in a blink of an eye, he's got his fingers wrapped around my throat. They're touching behind my Adam's apple. He kept shrubbing his dish. And he said, he said, boy, are you gonna let me finish my dishes or I'm gonna have to rip your throat out? (laughs) I said, (laughs) said, you can finish your dishes. It was more you know throaty and spitty because he was choking me essentially. But I remember in that moment, I was like, wow, this dude didn't even look at me. (laughs) He, He didn't even Glanced to see where I was, but somehow he grabbed right a hold of my neck.
0: Uh-huh. He he got, he got those manuals that you were getting. <laughs> you have the, yeah. the secret now.
1: And <laughs> it's funny because the whole my whole I don't my whole life basically if I have a threat like just messing around threat, mm-hmm. my friends would tell you it's that I'm going to rip your throat out, and that's. Everybody thinks it's Roadhouse but no it's yeah. from Stephen Pearson it's yeah. from my dad <laughs> was washing the dishes.
0: Oh that's great. Cuz I thought
1: that's the scariest or the most scared that I've ever been and it was legit. Mm. I knew he wasn't going to kill me mm. but I wasn't sure he wasn't going to really hurt me.
0: Right. Mm. <laughs> there is there was a level of risk there. It was yeah. very real.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there was a level of uh of badassery. Sorry mm. if I can't say that on your No, no, you're good, your man. Yeah. <laughs> there was a level of badassery in that moment that I had not attained or witnessed mm. in laughing in person. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah.
0: but, and I could only imagine that coming from your dad too. I mean that that takes it to a completely different level, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's not like, oh yeah, it's, just, it's 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 on TV and there's like a kind of a separation there. Like not only is this real life, not only is this viscerally in front of my face right now, but it is the guy that I the, that I came from. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And and he was just so cool and calm. Yeah. And, you know, I, he wasn't even mad at me. It was just like, dude, leave me alone. And I left him alone. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was still like he was upset about it. It was like it was literally just that blip in that moment in time that he – that he really showed me and honestly I, I think about that all the time and i always have because it just it just made an impression mm. and you know i've always known that he was really into it when he was younger before i was alive so it's definitely always been a part of who i am and i'm sure it's it's a big piece of what's up uh, what's drawn me mm. to martial arts my entire life i mean i'm 38 now and um legitimately practicing martial arts for the last 20 years mm legitimately and we could go further back if we want to talk about the books but that really was I mean that was a lot of fun and it did teach me some things but it was it was really more you know the blind leading the blind but yeah
0: well but there was a willingness there right I mean and you and I think like particularly for me I I don't know if you uh, I'm sure you feel the same way but there's a there's a difference between somebody that shows up in your class that just seems to be just going through the motions or they it wasn't their idea to be there yeah. versus the ones that are really looking to be there. And sometimes that shows up day 1. Mm-hmm. Other times it shows up 2 3 months, maybe a couple of years later where there's like a change from okay, what's this uh, what's the next move in the curriculum or whatever to I want to know. You know, I I I there's there's a hunger there, right? I, you know, uh, you and your brother had that. But you you even prior to that you talked about fighting um, now was that just was it just like a kind of a thing between you and your brother like kind of a sibling thing was it like external forces were you bullied what how did that come, um come to fruition in your life growing up
1: well the neighborhood that i lived at when i was that we lived in when i was younger there were a lot of there were a lot of kids mm-hmm. and and i'll say kids from like uh you know eight or nine to to eighteen and I knew all of them because I have, you know, my brother was is nine years older than nine or nine and a half years older than me. My sister's seven years older than I am. So I was kind of involved with all these kids. I knew them all and they all knew me. And uh, back then it was just, it was just a different time, you know, a different generation where you fought all the time. I mean, you'd get mad and say something about somebody's mom that you totally liked. They gave you Kool-Aid when you were at our house or something, but you know, like your mom's, your mom's fat or, I mean, you just get the mom, you, your mom stuff going mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, it's like, he said something about my mom. I got to fight. Yeah. And then there were other times where I had older guys that were taking stuff from me. You know, they would come over to see my brother or my sister and they would steal things from me. Mm-hmm. And my brother had a bad attitude and a chip on his shoulder. And he kind of gave that to me mm-hmm. and you know, I was a chubby kid. So it was, my brother wasn't, mm-hmm. my sister wasn't, I was. So I got it, you know, always about being fat and then people taking stuff from me because I was always around older kids and it really just transferred into, well, I want to be as tough as my brother and I don't want anybody to take anything from me and I'm tired of them calling me fat. Mm. I don't want anybody talking about my mom because I love my mom. And so we fought all the time. And then when I went to school, um, I just, I had developed such a chip on my shoulder that it it didn't seem feasible to me not to fight like if you if you started something with me then we should just fight mm. um, and it wasn't like i was never looking for it
0: but you didn't have a problem getting into it either
1: right yeah i had no problem and, and then that comes a lot from my brother my brother would say don't ever let anybody mess with you even though he would mess with me like crazy That's right. and his closest friends would but it, it was more like you know you get older and you see what that that stuff there's almost a purpose to it yeah. And a bit of hazing in there
0: and, yeah. Yeah. Like, initiation. But, <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, by
1: the time I hit school, there was a lot of people who didn't have that experience. Mm. You know, they didn't have an older brother that beat them up. They were just used to to trying to bully somebody, and then all of a sudden you run across a kid who's been beaten up by his brother for the last couple of years, pretty harsh. And I'm not afraid of anybody that I'm going to go to school with if I'm not afraid of my brother who's nine years older than me. Mm. So... um, there was a sense of confidence there mm-hmm. and, and just like, I'm not going to take it. Right. I don't care if I have a mullet and you don't like it and you don't like that. I'm chubby. Like we're going to fight yeah. if you're going to keep saying this, like either stop or let's see who's the alpha here.
0: Yeah. And that, that's interesting though. Cause I mean, that's, it's just, you, you were exposed to a lot of different forms of or, or different levels of conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly physical. It wasn't just like, okay, there's, there's this uh, kid, you know, at school verbally abusing me, you know, just whatever, trying to beat me down. It was like, Hey man, you know, even with my, my buddies, you know, something slips out or whatever. Kids are going to be kids. And then, you know, it just went, it just went to fist and it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was a, you just did it. Mm -hmm. You did it. You handled it. And and that's not to say that they weren't rough fights. Nobody wanted to lose, but, um, you fought hard and then when you were done you were done. Yeah. You know it was you know, there's not much that could be said after that and then you were buddies again because you needed people to hang out
0: with. Yeah. That's very different from today, right? Yeah. I mean yeah. Like, like any uh, particularly if it's outside of a dojo or a ring mm-hmm. or a sanctioned event where if you see any kind of blows um, it's not healthy. Automatically, it's not healthy. It's not I can to say natural. They they could say it's natural, but it's something that we should uh, we should not allow. You know, fight yeah. against that part of our nature.
1: Mm-hmm. I think as men, there's there's something in there. I mean, we're we're hardwired to compete and and to and to fight at some level. Mm-hmm. And you no, know, don't get me wrong. I think there's healthy ways to do that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I love martial arts so much. Is that uh, not only do you get that out of yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get to compete and you get to, uh, you get to test yourself against other people, but you get to do it in a way that where you're, where your friends, mm-hmm. you know, you uh, in jujitsu, you slap and tap, you know, and then you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell that to my craft students, because we have a jujitsu class that goes on at the same time. You know, they're just on the mat over. And I think sometimes my craft class thinks that those guys are, Superman, because they just train so hard and it's like well that's that's the standard that's what we're going to get you to yeah um you know and if you go over there they're gonna they're gonna put it on you while asking you how your week's been yeah you know like how how are the kids yeah. oh i grilled some steak yesterday it was delicious and you <laughs> know they're trying to rip your arm off but that's oh
0: yeah okay. yeah. yeah you
1: know and there's, there's no there's no ego it's just a, it's just a good time and everybody's learning And it's like you know you can you can be rolling with somebody that's a higher level than you and they start to do something. Maybe you tap, maybe you just ask them to s- slow down. You're like, how did you do that? And they tell you, <laughs> you know, like it's the, it's not, I want to kill you or I'm going to try to get away with your money or I'm stealing your car. It's, it's uh it's good, healthy competition. And you learn.
0: Let me ask you, cause I mean, it was, uh, around college or after college that you, you discovered, like you actually formally started, uh, with jujitsu training.
1: Yeah. I, uh, it was, it was around 98, 99. Um, and really some guys I went to church with started up like a Monday night and you could just go until you fell out. We would start at like seven and we would roll to like 12, but there were two purple belts on a black belt.
0: Mm.
1: And and we, we all threw in some money and we bought some mats and we would clear out room in the church and we would, we would roll in the church. Yeah, And so, you know, I wasn't at a gym. I wasn't at a dojo. I wasn't, paying anybody, but, but I was rolling with two purples and a black, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it was just me and my brother in the basement. You know, it was, it was guys who knew what they were doing, who knew what they were talking about, who could, who could really explain the intricacies of positions that I didn't know. I mean, there's not so much a book can cover a book, can't really tell you every little nook and cranny of a technique and something like jujitsu technique is a, is a big thing. I mean, arm angle is a big thing. How you go about getting to a certain position is a big thing. Mm. Elbows, you know. I didn't read that in my book, mm. but then I realized, oh, so there's there's a gap here that has to be that has to be filled unless I with my body parts and not
0: not there. <laughs> parts, you know, right, right,
1: That that spells me getting hurt or me tapping. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys were really connecting the dots, and that went on. Man, that went on for years and years. I didn't do it all the time. Cause I was, I really got into playing music and the opportunity was there to, to really fulfill that side of a dream that I had had for my life. Mm. So I did a lot of music and traveled around and did some of that. And then when I was home, whenever I was home, I would, I would go train jujitsu, but we only did one, one night a week, but it was for hours. I mean, it was longer than any class that you would ever take. Mm. And, um, and it was, a, it was a really good time. I mean, it was a great time. Um, some invaluable training cause sometimes it might only be four people. But, you know, you would have such uh, opportunity to work with higher level guys and just get all your questions answered. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, there's certain things that I do that I'll think back at those times and I'm like, oh, that's what they meant. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And I always think that's my baseline. So I always think back to that time.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to get to that uh, comfort level of just the process, right? I mean, I feel like, hey, this is, it's not something that's going to happen in one session. It's not going to happen overnight. And on top of that, getting tapped out, getting, ch- getting choked, getting, you know, getting a bit of that adrenaline. there, they're like, oh man, they totally have got, they've got me now. Of course, obviously in a safe environment, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that it can be frustrating.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And, I don't really know exactly when I hit that. I think that um, I realized pretty early on that I only really got mad at my brother
0: mm.
1: when I would roll with people. I would only get mad at him and it never worked out to my advantage. He always beat me. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: He always beat me. He could always exploit it. And um, as I started training more, uh, more towards the the mid 2000s, two thousand. Six two thousand seven. I started training uh, a lot. You know, three days jujitsu, three days kickboxing, and I was I was. I got really serious, and then it became a, a large priority. And um, at that point, I think I'd already done enough to where I don't remember having that frustration. I knew I was going to get frustrated, so that makes it in and of itself makes it less frustrating. And I knew that uh, with the guys that I was training with, they were they were really open. Okay, and, You know, most of, most everybody that I trained with at that gym were, were MMA guys. Even the, the kickboxing, it was, it was American kickboxing under Mark Cook, um, who, who was a great kickboxer and he's a great Kung Fu guy, but that school was full of so many MMA fighters at the time that everything was kind of geared around MMA, mm. but it was such a giving environment. Everybody was willing to teach because they wanted to learn from you, you know, uh, every person you meet is better than you at something. Right. Mm. So, um, when I, when I really embrace that as part of that journey, you know, jujitsu, like I always tell everybody it's my favorite martial art. I teach Krav Maga, but jujitsu is my favorite.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I love kickboxing, but jujitsu is my favorite.
0: Mm.
1: And part of that is because you never don't know where you stand in jujitsu because every single time you go to the gym, you're going to roll. And every single time at the gym, you're going to know how good you are or how bad you are. Hmm. Like there's, there was really no guesswork. You, know, you can train, you could train kickboxing and miss sparring day for a few weeks. And you really don't know. Or, or maybe you never spar, but you hit the bag and, and you hit mitts. You never really know where you're at. You can think you're better than you are. But in jujitsu, you, know, you work technique for a little while. You run drills, somebody's trying to pass your guard or you're trying to pass somebody's guard and you feel like throwing up and then the work starts, you know, what I mean? <laughs> it's after that as I like, get some water and come back and let's start to roll. Mm. And when you start rolling with people, especially strangers, and then if you're good, you're good. Mm. And if you're having an off night, you're tapping a lot. Mm. You realize there's no shame in that. Mm. Like, you're either the hammer or the nail. Either way, you're, you're really important.
0: So, what uh, cuz you you played sports throughout throughout your life. What was it that appealed to you about martial arts that made it your I mean like you you said you're you're you had plans on going to, uh, you know, to play college football, you know, and probably even <laughs> dreams of getting into even pro. <laughs> what, uh, what I mean, no, obviously there could be circumstances that type of thing to get, get in the way, but you I mean, you could you could do other things other than martial arts. But you're, you you chose that. What was it about it?
1: Well, you know, I, I did want to go and do the football thing. And I blew my knee out my senior year of high school. Mm. And that's when I got the dose of reality that that uh, my grades weren't great enough or good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, my knee wasn't good enough anymore. Mm-hmm. It was at a really bad time. There was no way I was going to go. Uh, even, even without the grades, I thought, well, I could still go somewhere and walk on, I can get my grades up at the school and I could walk on. Mm. But when I, when I blew my knee out, I had it reconstructed in September of, of 98. Mm. So there was no way that I was going to walk on any campus for another year or so and, and do anything to impress anybody. And so then I really started doing the music, but then I always wanted, there was, I wanted to play football that was really the main thing mm. It was football and then it was martial arts and then it was music, but music had the better opportunity. I, see. Uh, I just found myself in the, in the right circumstance with the right people to where that became a reality. Mm. And I could, I could tell back then that even at that point that you had to take advantage of, of that situation Yes, and that moved ahead. And then when that was gone, uh, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. But when that was, when that was gone, martial arts was still here. I could be a, I could be married and do martial arts. I could be a dad and do martial arts. I could live my life. And I can still scratch an itch to compete, um, and just grow as a person. So, and and when you know, when you get to a certain age, there's, it's not like I, I'm going to go sign up for summer baseball, you know, <laughs> sure, you know what I mean, or, or I'm going to go play football, you know, but I can go to a, I can go to a gym. I can, I can train. Any number of martial arts right now. If I wanted to, just so happens I'm old enough that I've just my my interests are what they are, and I know that. Sure. Like I'm not scratching a bunch of itches, mm-hmm. but you know I know I like jujitsu. I know I like kickboxing. I know I like Krav Maga, mm-hmm. so I can really focus my energies, and I can do all those at the
0: same gym. Mm-hmm. I think there's, um I don't know, there's something about it, at least for me, and you know, you speak to, I'm sure you can speak to this as well. Is that you talk about itch, an itch? There is an itch for that kind of interaction. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, it's on the field, whether it's football, you know, I played soccer, uh, tennis, you know, those, those are great. You get a great workout, you know, a lot, a lot, nice, you know, good, good technique. You know, there's definitely a level of skill in there, but the stakes are different as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something for me that, uh, it, it, it feels more real. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, uh, it, it, you get tools from martial arts that you can take into any, any day, any moment of any day. And, uh, especially, especially when you have a family, mm. there's things that you learn. Uh, it's not even all techniques. Sometimes it's just things you learn about yourself. Mm. And you know that's what I, I tell my students all the time. You know, I had a girl last night that we're teaching, and it's Krav Maga, so you don't do a lot of grappling, but mm-hmm. you do some, and and a lot of it has to do with getting up off the ground, mm-hmm. getting away from somebody. Um, so we're learning. We're teaching them how to shrimp. Mm-hmm. And we're doing shrimp drills, and um, for anybody that may listen that doesn't know what a shrimp is, you can go look it up on YouTube. It's it's a it's a way to get away from somebody in a grappling arena. So, um, I this girl's brand new. She'd never heard of a shrimp or seen a shrimp. It's not an intuitive move. It's a terribly, you know, counterintuitive move, but it's what works. And, uh, I had them shrimping down the mat. I had everybody doing two, two laps. And, uh, when everybody, if you did your two laps, then you're standing there, you're shadow boxing or you're jump doing jumping jacks. I didn't want anybody to rest. And she had a really hard time and everybody was finished with their two before she was halfway finished with the first one. And, I could see that she was starting to get frustrated, but she was still working hard. Mm. She got to the end and she ran and she joined everybody and started shadow And I said, what are you doing? Everybody's done too. And I could see in her face that moment. She's like, oh, you're going to make me do this? Like everybody's waiting on me and everybody's suffering. And I'm like, everybody here wants you to do it just as much as I do. Mm. And you can mm. And so, you know, to her credit, she didn't. She I could tell she was frustrated. I could tell she was a little scared because everybody was watching her. She just got down and did it. I'm telling you, it was amazing. She she like she'd been doing it for, for, I don't know, months, which you know, which is great. in your your second lap that you've ever done it, and and she's doing really good. That pressure of everybody watching, everybody's cheering. That's part of what we do in Croft. Everybody's cheering because uh, nobody wants to see anybody fail. We're all there to work and help each other. Um, but she she flies down the mat doing doing good work, doing really good work. And you know, you see that frustration switch to this. Oh my gosh, I just did that. Yeah. I I just I didn't just do it, I killed it. Like that was good. And everybody's high-fiving her, and you could see something in her eyes that was that that wow, I I didn't think I could do that.
0: Mm.
1: But I did that, you know, and and whether it's sports or martial arts, it gives you those things that you learn about yourself. You learn techniques, that's great. But when you when you realize that you can do something that you thought you couldn't, Mm -hmm. when somebody goes, I don't care if you don't think you can, I believe you can. So I need to see you do it. Mm. And that happens. And then you're like, wow, I'm, I'm tougher than I thought, Mm. you know, and we have a motto at our, at our gym in the craft class, you go home tougher than you came Mm. every, every class, every class you go home tougher than you came, whether that's just learning something uh, which could be philosophy, could be a mindset exercise or are, are, are through pushing past physical barriers our mental barriers or just really just uh, punishing your body to see how much it can take. Mm. But every single time you leave our, our gym, it's my goal to make you tougher than you showed up. Mm. And I, I think that's what people pay for. I think that's what they come for to, to, to learn a martial art. Um, and it's not so they can go out and test it, in the, in the streets, but it's so they've got it in their back pocket and it really does help. I mean, you know, as well as I do, you can get in a gym and just get, you might walk in there thinking you're the baddest dude on the planet and get throttled by the smallest person in the room. Hmm. And then you're like, okay,
0: maybe I won't walk. Get myself in check a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nice reminder. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You never really quite know about somebody and I don't know that relieves some sort of pressure in your day-to-day life. Mm. You know, you look at the world different, you look at people differently. Mm. It it doesn't seem you don't walk through the street thinking about who you could dominate. Right. You walk through the street knowing that you're just a person that, that the smallest guy in the room could tap out 12 times in six minutes. Hmm or that could tap out the largest guy in the room a few times. Right. And it's all just even. It all just matters the day. Every human is worth the life they're living. And and when you you do martial arts and you see people make those connections, like the girl I was talking about in the class, it's not the only example. There's there's tons of them. And you don't have to be an instructor to see those. You can you, you just be in the room. We've had them ourselves. I'm sure you've had those moments. I've had those moments. I did things I didn't think I was capable of. And and you start to want that for other people. You don't want to beat somebody up. right? You almost want to like put your arm around them when they're being crazy. And
0: be like, dude, calm down. Yeah, Here's a free week at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but, right. <laughs> we can help work you with this it. out. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you mentioned your kids earlier. What has your approach been with your children and martial arts? I mean, you know, as you were growing up, you didn't really get exposed to it, aside from, you know, your little uh, incident with your dad. <laughs> yeah. to, but what what has your approach been with, with with your own kids? So
1: um, this is multifaceted.
0: Mm.
1: When we first started, um, I was really just looking for something for my kids to get into. Okay. I became. I went through a, a, a rough divorce at the time and it was just me and a two-year-old and a four-year-old I've been training consistently. I was training to, to start fighting and and it, it, it pretty much threw a wrench in a lot of that because now I'm taking care of two very young kids full-time. I, not only did it become hard to afford the same amount of training that I was doing, but um, I couldn't get hurt. Mm. If I got hurt, mm. I couldn't make money. Um. So, basically, stopped training for a little while, and then they got. Then I found places where they could train too, and I could train. So it started off; it was almost selfish. Give them an activity, although I, I've always wanted them to do it. But they were young, so the first taste of it was I just I wanted to be able to train. Yeah, it's convenient but I wasn't going to have there. Yeah, I wasn't going to sit them in a in the parent room because they were so young. Yeah, it's not. I mean, now they do it, but now they're older. We're talking two, four, you know, three and five type age age ranges and and they had just lost their comfort zone. You know, we lived in a different house, mom wasn't around, you know, things were a lot different. I was gonna keep them in a room for a couple hours, you know, every night or every other night. So uh so it really started off kind of selfish in that respect. Mm. Then and then I just wanted them to be active. Mm. They were doing kids MMA and and they did fine, but they weren't really learning stuff. They were a little intimidated. There were a lot of bigger kids in the class until we found where we're at now. And it was more of a traditional karate, traditional martial arts program for the kids. As soon as we walked in, my son was like, bing. I saw the light go off in his head and he's, huh. he loved it every day since. Hmm. And if I don't want to train, he's, you know, there's no way he's going to let me not train. He's going to be on me. He's like, Come on, dad. You know, let's go do this. And he's, he doesn't, he's. He's amazing with it. And he's inspired. I think he's inspired his sisters mm. more so than me. Um, but there's seven people in my family, six of us train mm. all the time mm. and one trains sometime. Mm. But when I say it's multifaceted um, at this point, my mindset has changed a lot um, because back in 2013, my sister was murdered and, mm. um, I had a sister that was murdered and uh, it's a crazy story. I won't get into the whole story, but basically somebody broke into her house and they beat her with a breaker bar. They beat her death mm. with a breaker bar. And, you know, I can't help. She fought back and, the, and she fought back and, and uh, she did whatever she could to live, but she didn't know anything. Mm. You know, she didn't, all she knew what to do was to just throw and grab, you know, like what you what you would intuitively know and i uh, i can't help to this day and i can't shake the thought uh, that if she had just known a little bit of what to do if somebody who was swinging something at you you know she could have done two weeks of my guy and it could have saved her life because i mean just a little bit you know it, just a little bit to keep you to to keep you alive mm. to show somebody that you're not as easy as they thought mm. um so now it's kind of one of those things where it's like you're going to train. And, and I require a certain amount of it from them just, just so they'll know some things. You know, I don't care if they become champions. I don't care if they like if they all get their black belts. Um, I, w- I would love them to. You know what I mean? I would love to see that happen. I would love to see them make a life out of all this the biggest thing to me right now is I think it's more important to know, to know some things. And it was really important when I was, when, when we started this, this school, this dojo, that when we started going to the place that we're all at now, uh, that they taught, um, applicable self-defense to the kids. You know, it meant something to me that it wasn't just kata based. I think there's, I think there's value there. I don't want to say that there's not, um, uh, there's a lot of value to especially for kids for traditional martial arts and and forms and katas and things like that but uh, like twice a month they go on these full-on like basically Krav my god the full-on self-defense things and they're hitting they're hitting pads and they're they're protecting against weapons and they're and they're little but they're learning and that was really important to me um, because like I said I mean just the slightest bit of knowledge I think could have helped could have saved my sister. Mm. And so I want to make sure that my kids have that, you know, and fulfill your commitments. You know, you, you always sign a commitment when you sign up to a, to a gym, whether that be a year or some of them have three years, whatever. I'm like, fulfill the commitments, train and learn. I mean, I have a dojo basically at my house. I have, I have mats on the floor and I've got bags and we do stuff here. Sometimes I just teach them stuff that I want them to know, mm. but But I do require it for those real applicable reasons above and beyond or or, or, uh, with alongside things like the respect and just the humility and and stuff like that.
0: Um, How do you approach something like that with them? Because, I mean, it's one thing to say, or do you? (laughs) Because it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, you're going to this program. It's like an equivalent of going into Little League, right? Yeah. it's an, it's completely different when it's introduced as, or even just trying to broach subject of this is to keep you safer. Yeah. How, what, how do you do that? I mean, well, I don't,
1: I don't know that I, I necessarily did that at first hmm. with, with my two. And then I, I got remarried and I married into three, three lovely daughters. Hmm. And then, I wasn't, I didn't want to necessarily force them Mm. to do it. We could have done it all at the house. I would have forced them to learn some things at the house. Mm. Um, maybe that sounds rough. It just, it is what it is. I would have forced them to learn a few techniques. Mm. Um, but like I said, I think my son has been really inspirational, not only to his, to his biological sister, but to his stepsisters. Mm. Um, He's just he's just really taken to it. And, and so have they. I mean, every I got a house full of killers here. I got to be on top of my game. I can't stop training. <laughs> Nobody would listen to me in my house. if I did. But um, with with my stepdaughters. It was told like, OK, well, we're going to do this regardless, but they just moved. They moved from a different town. It wasn't like a different state, but a different town. So they didn't know a lot of people and and it gave them a way to, to meet friends and i don't know if i ever really like broke it down super hard it was it was like you can do this if you want we do this so um and my wife was going to do it. Like so it's either you can participate or you can sit here and and watch us <laughs> do it
0: we're going to be um, here anyway so it's up to you yeah
1: yeah yeah and you know, I wish I had like some great answer, but I think if I was having to have that conversation at this point and talk about it and you know, I would, I don't, I don't really if kids of a certain age. I don't have a problem with you as a parent doing things for them or, um, forcing is a strong word, but requiring them to try things. Right. Mm. Um, so, you know kid gets to a certain age maybe that gets harder but when kids are are younger when they're four five six maybe even up to like seven eight I get, even if they're older really I mean if you're the parent I think there's there's a certain level there if you go this is needed yeah. and you know I want you to do this and that's up to each parent to to make that call I just don't see a personal problem with it but I wouldn't require them to do it always if my an example my my daughter came up to me a while back and she said i'm I'm, i don't want to do this anymore. I, I would like to do something else. Mm. And the way I told her is you made a commitment. Mm. So if you made a commitment, you have to see the commitment through. Mm. That's all I'm requiring of you. If you do this commitment and then you still want to move on, mm. then you can do it because you've, you fulfilled your commitment to the, to the contract we signed with the school and you fulfilled it with me. When I, when I made the financial uh, investment in this. And honestly, by the time, that commitment was up. There's been no mention, you know, I've asked her, but she's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to quit. Just, her best friends life. are like, just yeah. loved it. Yeah. You know, she's moved up. She's moved up belt rank. She's on the demo team. Now she's on the leadership team. Like she's done these things that she would, have, uh, as much as I love baseball, it's not like I was getting recognized for being a great leader on my baseball team. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't building that level of confidence within me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm big on commitment. I'm big on like, if you need to learn this, you just need to learn this. So if, if I'm as, as a parent say, you need to do this, you just need to do it, at least for a certain amount of time, um, I believe in minimum requirements, you know, like, okay, here's the minimum. You got to meet this. You can do as much as you want. There's the minimum. Um, and does that answer your question at all? I well, I, guess, I mean, do
0: you, do you broach this or, or how do you, or do you broach the subject of, You might have to use this in some way now, because there's 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 a surface level of that, right? Because you know there's a lot of just self-defense, this self-defense that. Oh, what if you do this because it's a plastic knife or it's a plastic gun or whatever? So it's easy to stay on that surface level of like that's just the terminology, right? Mm -hmm. But then getting it to the point where, and again, I, I don't, you know, that's my I guess that's my question is, do you? get any deeper than that is it necessary to get any deeper than that do you just you just hope that they somehow get because you don't want to traumatize your kids right, right. you and it, there's there's definitely there's a difference between sheltering them from the the bad things that happen everywhere and um laying it on like oh my, this is it's fire and brimstone kind of thing you know where they don't want to leave the house so is there i mean how do you find that balance
1: I i have been really forthright with them, with them all. And I, and, you know, I have told them about their, their aunt Dana, hmm. they, they know what happened to their aunt, give or take. I mean, they don't know all the details, but they know that somebody, somebody took her life right. and they know that I believe that if she would have had some sort of training that, that it wouldn't have happened. Hmm. Um, so they know that that's one of the reasons why I'm so serious about it and, and why I, why I teach Krav Maga and why I train as hard as I do. They know that that's an underlying thing. Like that's a, a big driving factor. Also, I have told them, um, that it's, it's strength to know mm. if they can actually feel more confident when they're, when, you know, if they go outside and play, they can feel a little bit more confident because they do know something. And I have told, you know, there is a, there is a thin line. And I think it, 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 it changes from kid to kid. Okay. So I think it makes. It takes, there's a responsibility as a parent to, to figure that out or to kind of know that with your children anyway. There's also a responsibility for some, for some form of, uh, honesty with them. Like you said, you know, like you don't want to traumatize them. but There is, you want, you want to protect and empower, um, not scare and, and paralyze. So, uh, you know, we, we work on some things, you know, like we, we have like little plans here and there. If something happens or if you're in a store and you think something's weird, follow that, you know. So my kids know know enough to where I think they feel like they could actually not not defeat an adult, but they could defend themselves. And that's important because I don't want them to ever think about trying to defeat somebody that's twice their size because you can run away. All you got to do is buy enough time and space. And they know how to do that. And I think they're actually confident in the fact that they're not easy targets. And I've explained the fact that you don't want to be an easy target for anything in life. Doesn't mean you have to be rude. Doesn't mean you have to be aggressive. Just don't be an easy target. Um, So empower them, speak to them in in ways that let them know uh, what, where the power lies and not where the fear lies. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's, that's really, that's, that speaks to me. That's, Particularly in in avoiding nightmares, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's like, what do you continue to speak about? Do you continue to, be, uh, to speak about, oh, get away from this, get away from this situation, or no, we're going towards this situation yeah. here, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, to your point of you, just seeing it as options, giving them more options. It's like, it's like trying to spell using an alphabet, but you're missing half the letters. Yeah. You know, but like, well, here, and it's just a matter of fact thing. There's no, there doesn't have to necessarily be any emotion associated with that. Definitely. It doesn't have to be a negative emotion. Maybe yeah. a little bit. like, oh, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't it kind of be uh, annoying to have to try to spell with only half the letters? Oh, wouldn't it be great if you had all of them? Okay. Let's just give you all of them then, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 And, you know, talking over things like what, if you were, if we were at the store and we got separated mm-hmm. and somebody came up and asked you if you were lost, how would you, you know? how would you do this? This is how I would like you to do it. You know, uh, just letting them know the options, like you said, and that's, it's, you know, we have little things. If I, if we're out and I've got a bunch of kids and we're all out together, I've got this motto and it, and it cracks my wife up now and, and other people, but I say, I don't keep up with kids. They keep up with me. Mm. So, so there's times where we get separated and we have the, you know, we'll either Marco Polo or, you know, we have a little whistle and they could, they could answer back and I don't know if they're close, but also, if I yell line, my kids know that have they have to come get in that line. You know, like I said, I've got i got five kids, I travel a lot with four of them. One's a little older, but uh, if I yell line, they get right behind me as if some like something bad is going down. And you know, my son's in the back, and the girls are in the middle. So, and and we're staggered. We can see everything that's going on. And I'll practice it. You know, I might just you know we did it the other day at the bookstore. You know, I, I could, I got to where I couldn't hear the giggles enough. Yeah, yeah. So I yelled line and I even took a video uh, and they come running to get into this line. And it's not because they're afraid of me. Yeah.
0: It's, and it's just not that's even just the way it is. That's just, yeah.
1: They weren't even afraid of, of a bad situation. You could I, I have a video, they come up laughing, but they're, they're, they're getting to me, Yeah, you know? And, and that's really important to me because I don't want them to freak out and paralyze. Mm. Like, you know, I'm your protector, come to me. And if I can teach that, Where You come to me and you stay where I can, I can know where you're at and I can see the threat. That's why my son's in the back of the line. He's the oldest and the biggest of the kids that that are usually with me. Um, So he can cover my back and their backs Mm -hmm. and I can cover everybody's front. And, you know, we, I've taught them about uh, active shooters. You know, if somebody comes into their school or into a store that they're at, you know, run, hide, fight. Run if you can. Hide if you can't run. Fight if you can't hide. You know, and and gave them permission that if you've got to fight to, you know, if somebody's trying to shoot people and you've got to fight really dirty and and throw stuff or hurt them permanently, then you got to do what you got to do. Right. And um, that's I think in today's world that that's how you got to teach them. Uh, you you have to teach them to to be strong and. Powerful and give them permission to do things that, that uh, maybe not be intuitive. Mm. You got to give permission, your kids or or give your kids permission to survive and fight. Mm. You don't have to run, but it's a good option when it's there. You don't have to fight or hide, but it's a good option when it's there. And if you have to fight, fight with everything that you got. Mm. You know, if you have to fight for your life, fight like your life depended on it. Don't fight like they fight in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Don't fight like they fight in boxing. Don't fight like a fight at school. Fight like you want to live. Mm. And, you know, they know the difference. I make sure that they know the difference between what's a life-threatening situation and what's just somebody making you mad. Mm. Somebody makes fun of you at school. That's, that's not fight to survive. That's You just turn around and walk away somebody's holding a gun and shooting people and you can't get away from them. That's fight for your life. Mm. Um, Cause I think permission is an, an important thing. I think permission, you know, I tell my students a lot, adults, if you're coming here to this class to learn how to, to defend yourself, you need to give yourself permission to defend yourself. Mm. Be amazing Are amazed at how hard that is uh, to really pull the trigger on protecting yourself. If you've never actually told yourself it was okay to do. Right. You know, if I walked up to somebody on the street and I said, punch me as hard as you can mm-hmm. in the face. No one will do it. Even if, you know, even if I if I said, OK, well, punch me as hard as you can in my stomach. Mm-hmm. They might hit me. They're not going to hit me as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. I could say that to somebody at my at my uh, gym, people that I'm training with that know I'm tough and that I can take it. If I'm not wearing a body shield and I said, hey, kick me in the side as hard as you can nine out of 10 people won't that's I mean, you hear stories as a Krav Maga instructor, you read, you read, keep up on what's going on and what what's happening in the world. And you find out that there's a lot of people who just ignore warning signs because they haven't given themselves permission to be rude to somebody who's being rude to them. Yeah. Somebody's encroaching on your space and touching you or, you know, don't wait until the situation gets dire. You can say, Hey, Get away from me. I'm not real comfortable
0: right now. It's almost like to a point of, um, well, I, I think a lot of it is actually just, it's just disbelief, you know, yeah. just frozen out of, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Yeah. And it's even just like, it's almost like a a, 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 a a track that just keeps on repeating. I can't believe this. I can't believe, I can't believe it's getting closer. I can't believe this. this is not happening. This is not happening. And it's, that, that's a challenging thing. Particularly, it's easier to say those things and be in that space if what they've been hearing is that this is just not something that is kosher to do. This is not something that, because, and because it's not kosher to do, it's, you know, nobody's going to do it. <laughs> There's no one who's going to, to do those types of things to me. Well, that's really, that's really not like. Dude, we can go on, and I would. We can talk for another five hours on this, man. But um, oh, totally. This was this was this was amazing. This was amazing.
1: I, you know, I'm. A, I, I apologize. I have no short answers to any. Questions.
0: No, dude. I'm no. We're not. We're looking for you know insights. There's no, and that's just kind of like this is the way it goes, man. And you definitely dropped some insights in in here today. I appreciate it we got to get onto this again. And there's a lot of places we can go. I I want to go even deeper, particularly in this bit here, um, as it applies to family and as applies to just more of like self-defense kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But, um, in the meantime though, if if people wanted more from you, where could they go?
1: Well, um, you could go to on Facebook. I'm blaze Pearson. I also, uh, I run a coaching firm called torch family leadership. It's probably backwards here behind me. If anybody's watching the video, I don't know if you put videos up, but, uh, um, torch family leadership on Facebook, uh, on Instagram at blaze Pearson. Um, also at torch underscore family underscore leadership and I have a blog at torchfamilyleadership.com. Um, yeah. Email blaze at torch and I'm happy to answer any questions or, or whatever. If anybody has any, if anybody's into coaching, I can wrap that into self-defense as well. I, I teach Krav Maga at Premier Martial Arts Powder Springs. Um, it also help people find someplace close to them. I'm, I'm a part of Krav Maga Universal. I'm an instructor in Krav Maga Universal. I'm an instructor, obviously at a Premier School. Um, So between those two, those two organizations, there's schools everywhere. So if anybody listens to this and they want to get involved in any of this stuff, then then, uh, shoot me an email and I can, I can most likely find a school near you.
0: Blaze, man, this is great. Thank you.
1: I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Folks, I hope you appreciated that conversation with Blaze. I really enjoyed it. Um, Really a great guy, laid back, but also, you know, you can tell the seriousness in how he approaches self-defense and making sure that not only he but also his family um, is well prepared um, for anything that might come Uh, really a lot of great lessons there but uh, that is it for today's episode again this is philip with the everyday fighter podcast talk to you next time